0: Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love.
1: Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast that myself, Joe and Ross talk everything Milton Keynes-Dons. First of all, Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. All good, thank you. And after his uh, week hiatus, Ross, you're back.
2: Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Um, sorry for the inconvenience last week. But it's back to normal
1: now. Nah, no worries, mate. Um, you know, you're back now It's all that matters. So we got lots to cover tonight, um, but before we get into the two games I played this week and everything that resulted from that, um, I just want to touch on a few subjects that have come up. Uh, firstly, uh, I myself appeared on the PO Forecast, which is one of uh, a Pompey Podcast, and to preview the game. Um, so it was very, very grateful to appear on there, and thank you to the gents over there to let me come on. Uh, that will be out uh, tomorrow, so the same day. Um, we record this on Wednesday night, so that'll be out the same day as our podcast comes out. So be sure to listen to that to hear my thoughts on the game, as well as this, of course. And there was also uh, the whole hashtag let fans in movement, which is, of course, around trying to get fans back into the stadiums. And, you know, the whole ridiculous decision behind not letting us back. And I know I've got some quite personal thoughts on it. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on it as well. Uh, so to start off with Joe regarding what are your thoughts regarding the whole let's let fans in movement and how it's been done well so far. I guess
3: I think the real thing that recently has accelerated this movement is uh, two things really. It's you've you've got the 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 prime minister in his uh, inspired wisdom to decide to showing Premier League games at cinemas yards away from Premier League stadiums and. It's it just doesn't make sense. You've got open air stadium where you'd have thought you'd be more easily be able to distance people, and I, I think another thing as well is the uh, the national league starting, and uh, they were pretty much uh, in the dark about whether or not they would be able to start until a few days before the season actually started, and they're starting with no fans, and I believe there's a sort of a government package for them. But these clubs, at, at, at that level, they, they literally cannot survive without the gate money. And I think it's just the decision's almost been kicked along and kicked along. But now when it's seriously starting to affect clubs, I think it's good to see so many clubs really pushing for, for the the movement and pushing to let, get fans back into the stadium.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the movement, well, the official movement didn't start too long ago. And it's already, I think I checked this evening and it's already at. 168,000 or over that now signatures which is terrific and you know we're going to hear the government's thoughts on that I assume pretty soon and you know it's good to see also that local MPs are trying to push the movement because they're ultimately the ones that are going to get this movement well enforced hopefully and you know clubs if nothing happens clubs are going to go bust that's just the ultimate and they have gone bust and they will go bust that's just the ultimate conundrum in this whole uh, situation uh, what are your thoughts on the whole movement, Ross?
2: Um, I can't really um, disagree with you guys. Um, on a whole, this as as person on a personal point of view, uh, mentally um, going to the football every weekend. Yeah, I know we lose last season. We didn't have a great season, but it's the, having my mates around, um, just having a pint, and just speaking about Dons. It clears throughout their 90 minutes takes all them negative thoughts away and I just feel like this push from the EFL and all these premiership clubs um, is just proving we're going in the right step in the right direction
1: Yeah I 100% agree with that and in the um, link to this podcast I'm going to put the uh, link to the petition in case you haven't signed yet uh, and urge you all to sign as every ticket you give will push this movement even more and hopefully get us back to the stadium sooner rather than later. So on to the actual football and what's been happening on the pitch. Uh so we'll start off with Saturday first. Obviously we played Ipswich Town at home. Uh, we got a pretty positive result, I'd say one one. Uh we dominated them in, in terms of an expected goals battle. I think I believe it was we had 1.3, they had 0.3. And we came out of the game, I suppose, almost feel like we could have got more, and it was very, it was very similar to how we come out of the Doncaster game, I guess, in terms of you know, yes, you know, now we're bottom of the league, but you know we're on we're on two points, but as we were saying pre-podcast, we could easily be on eight, Uh just with maybe cutting out one or two mistakes, and we'd be looking up rather than down. Uh Ross, what were your thoughts on the Ipswich game in particular, and how you thought Don's played on Saturday?
2: Um, I felt we played really well considering um, a week before Ipswich were top of the league. They had uh, three convincing results, uh, including the Cup. And um, yeah, I just felt we limited, as you said, Ipswich chances. We um, neutralised their attack just to one shot on target. Uh, but the same problems occurring up top. We're just not ruthless in front of goal. Um, we can have all the possession in the world we want, but teams, as you say, with Doncaster and crew especially, we had the possession in them games, but if you don't take the chances, you're going to be punished at this sort of level. So after the game, I did see on Twitter some negative um, thoughts on on the game. Um, It might have been quite rational of the fans to react so quick after the game, but at the end of the day we we're playing it we're going to be playing a promotional contender at the end of the season and get a point from Ipswich uh, i think it's a very good point and i shouldn't think we should dwell on it too much
1: yeah i can't say i agree whatsoever with the negative um points made post game about how we played no I personally felt that was our best performance in terms of the opposition we played and how we actually executed our plan. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on how Saturday went?
3: Yeah, again, I'm pretty positive on the whole thing, and but again, I do still have a couple of concerns, but I think these concerns are not as big as problems as 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 the positives that I've got out of this game. So again, the goal conceded was an absolute. Breakdown in communications it was almost like ping pong and it was their only shot on target as Ross said it's just so disappointing again that we limited them to three shots in the whole game and one of them's gone in and one of them's been a, a, a glaring chance I think one thing um, that was pleasing to see we were a bit more balanced attacking so we were using the left and we were using the right a bit more Um, But again, I think it's just going to take a bit of time for some of these more creative players to click into place and really start showing us what they can do.
1: Yeah, I mean, that probably plays into the fitness, right? You know, Bruce Martin's been talking about how, um, you know, some of these players, he hasn't had them for as long as he would have liked to. And, yeah, that's completely fair enough. But I think every game we're seeing now, we're sort of seeing a, a different side to how they play. And, of course, we're seeing play more minutes and therefore um, perform better. And, you know, we can only continue to do that moving forward. Uh, So to go into more specifics from the weekend game, uh, the first player we've got down to talk about is Daniel Harvey. Uh, Harvey had 0.3 expected goals out of the 1.3 that the team generated, which was the second highest on the day uh, for Don's and the game overall. And I thought he had a pretty good game. Um, Unfortunately, though, he's now... Off an international break with the uh, Scotland youth system, um, and yeah, Joe, what do you think of how Daniel Harvey played on Saturday?
3: Yeah, I think it was. I think it was really good. I think it, it's, it's good to finally because we, we've heard all of these these things about him from. I think he was an uh, Airs Player of the Year, and he, you know, he was kind of in, and especially in pre-season as well. He was up and down that left flank, but we just haven't really seen it. It's almost as if Cargill has outshone him on that flank. But I feel this week he's he finally showed us more of what he can do. And I think it is such a shame that he's leaving just as he sort of started to get his, his feet under the table. Um, but it, it's it's good to finally have a, a consistent threat on the left that's not Lewington. And I mean, we're going to go on to Lewington later, but I feel having Lewington next to him uh, must have really helped
1: him. Yeah, I echo those thoughts on Lewington. I feel... I mean, I, I used the word unleashed uh, the pre-season Harvey in my notes, but mm. I think that's what he did. Um, but as you said, we'll, we'll speak more specifically on Lewington where he played in that game um, a bit later. Uh, Ross, how do you think Harvey played at the end? Your thoughts in general, I guess.
2: Um, well, apart from the first half, he got very fortunate with that red card off the ball incident. Um, so we could say we're quite fortunate that he was on the pitch. But besides that, he was one of the best players on the pitch. He won half uh, five successful duels out of 10. He had an 82% pass accuracy. And I just feel like in that wing-back role, having such a high park- passing accuracy is just um, it's quite astonishing for a wing-back because of, you have to take that gamble in that wing-back role. And um, in, especially in Russell Martin's um, system, he's um, asking for them to sit high and as well as doing the tracking back. So for his passing accuracy to be that high, it's very impressive. But also, which imp- uh, something which impressed me was, um, as Joe uh, said earlier, how Louis was right next to him. I thought in pre-season, Cargill and Harvey looked uh, Remsen going forward. But Louis and Harvey, I think, look better. It might be because of um, Louis' range of passing a lot better as well. And we'll go on to it later on. But I don't think um, Louis um, pushes up as high as Harvey due to him being a wing-back role. But
1: overall, I think Daniel Harvey was probably my man of the match. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely up there for me. Um, and yeah, it was a nice, it was a nice polar opposite in terms of, you know, I was able to speak about it a bit later, but Louis kind of sat back a bit more. And it did allow Harvey to maybe not have as much defensive responsibilities that he had done with Cargill, because Cargill was always the one that was looking to push up and, you know, try and create these chances and, uh, well, I saw he scored uh, in the first game of the season. So another player you want to talk about, and this player looked rejuvenated in a bit of a deep role on a Saturday with uh, David Kasumu, and I, I felt he controlled the game in parts on Saturday. You know, I, I saw a bit more physicality to it that I didn't see when he was a bit more advanced. Admittedly, it was only you know a little bit advanced to the right or left, but I think it mattered quite a lot on this game. Uh, especially with Keo behind him, who perhaps is more suited to or perhaps better in the role than uh, Lewington was when he played there. Um, from what I saw from like stats-wise, it didn't really back up his performance, but obviously us three all watched the game, and I'm pretty sure we all echo um, my initial thoughts of how well he did play. So why don't we get on to your thoughts on how Cosimi played, and we'll start off with Ross.
2: Um I think uh, David Kusuma, who um, was a bit of an unsung hero on Saturday, um, he had that, as Joe said earlier, had that balance in the squad. And I think we saw at Crewe, uh, we didn't have that balance and we paid for it in the end. And I feel like with Halton, when he plays there, he's got a mistake in him. But when I was watching on Saturday, I felt comfortable with watching Stu maybe playing in that deeper role. I don't know where it's down to more composure, but you couldn't quite hit it on the head. But I did look at a concerning stat, and he lost the possession eight times within the match. Yes, we neutralised Ipswich on the attack, but if he does play there, uh, we'd, we, we're not neutralising uh, the opposition's attacks as much you might
1: get punished a bit more. Yeah. oh, I can see what you're saying regarding the possessions lost. Um, from the early games we did see, I, just from an eye, eye test perspective, I saw Houghton give the ball away a lot more in much more dangerous areas, especially when, you know, Louis was there and Houghton was coming to receive the goal kicks from Nichols, And he just, he just made this ridiculous pass, um, that would go to their attackers and obviously, of course, create chances. Uh, Joe, what are your uh, thoughts on Kasumu from Saturday and how you thought he played?
3: I think uh, w- one thing with Kasumu is we've always said how he- he's a very busy player. He gets around the pitch. He covers lots of ground, and I think if he's if he's at the base of that def- base of that midfield, I feel he, he can offer something different with Houghton. I think you know what you're going to get. And I think Russ mentioned in one of his press conferences that people have actually started putting someone on Jordan Houghton now. So for Jordan Houghton, who he's not the most mobile, for him to just continue to just tick the possession over and over, it's uh, it's going to get harder and harder for him to do. And I feel with Kasumu, he's got that that little bit extra. He can take it past a man. He's I do feel he's a lot more physical and... I feel that that just adds another dimension, and when we're building up play, and I think um, one thing I did notice was, and if it was for the goal, especially you could see with Kasumu, I feel like his final ball, I wouldn't describe that as his best asset, but with someone like Sorensen, Sorensen was playing on the wide uh, in the right midfield, uh, right central midfield role, and I feel when you are playing a role like that, you need the killer ball, and I think we saw that for the uh, for the goal for the crossing for Harvey. Just the difference in what what the difference in quality in those sorts of areas can do, and I feel we'll see the same with Fraser in coming weeks. So yeah, um, overall, I, I, it was it was a nice change, and it it almost it, he's almost a completely different player playing the same role as Houghton, and uh, I think it does give us another di- dimension.
1: Yeah, um, for me, yeah, I think you're right in saying that I think people or teams had to figure out how to. A house, and sorry. And I said with dropping in Casemiro, there they did offer something different. It kind of, you know, got the opposite opposition to think a bit more. And I felt with the crew game going back to it, unfortunately that um, mm-hmm. Martin was he was too spontaneous or he was too risky of his um, changes. Uh, you know, making that many changes, I think, in switching those areas like with Sorinola. Uh, it didn't work for me. Whereas I think with this game against Ipswich, he's a bit more smart with it. You know, the addition of Kasumu, the addition of like you know uh, Fraser and Sorensen and things like that. It it just worked. And whether that well, hopefully that will be a long term thing. But for this game in particular, he seems to find found the right dynamic. And hopefully these three can build off of that. I think the big question is though, is Kasumu going to replace Halton in that role for the long term? What do you think, Joe? I think
3: think he can against the bigger teams because he can offer something different. I feel in the games where we're going to be having, when it's literally going to be us against a brick wall, I feel Houghton is probably the better option. But I feel like when you're going head-to-head with teams that do have quality in the middle of the park and it's not just technical quality, you've got... Coming up against you know the likes of Ipswich with Teddy Bishop, uh, you know Flynn Downs, John Nolan, who are all physical players and can really get about that pitch. I do feel you need someone a bit more mobile in there, and I feel that just adding a little bit something different, other than the the, the great passing ability of Helton, I feel that does give you a bit more of an edge.
1: Okay, yeah, I, I agree for the most part. Uh, what do you reckon, Ross? Um.
2: I think it's really, Russ has got to experiment with it. He's, we've only seen Kasumi play in that role one time this season. And um, I think it's too quick to judge just yet. Yes, Kasumi had a, a very good game on uh, Saturday. But um, I just want to see a few more games before I have a judgment on it. But at the moment, I, I think I'd rather play Hilton. Only because of I haven't
1: seen Casumi enough in that position yet. Yeah, two very fair arguments there. I think for me, um, with the way this Portal team, I understand it, how they set up, I feel Houghton could be a better fit for this one. Um, but that's not saying that we've seen we cannot do it because we've seen them in bigger away games uh ASC Wimbledon reference uh how you know he can step up and be this big player and he does you know care and puts in big performances when he when he's able to. So yeah it's an interesting dilemma and it's a good dilemma to have for Russ Martin and I hope he I'm sure he is appreciative of it rather than the opposite. Uh, so the final point uh from the Ipswich game is regarding Dean Lewington. Now, me and Joe spoke about Dean Lewington a previous episode. And um, I remember, Joe, you brought up about how how Lewington, you know, how would you feel about Lewington playing the left centre-back role? And uh, I think I remember saying that I didn't think it would work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We might have to uh, uh, move on quite quickly. But um, no, you know what? I take my comments back and it was purely because I thought that I thought he would be reminiscent of the Cargill role and that would have been you know, bombing up field and doing exactly what Cargill was doing. And actually, it was, a lot, it was a lot more calculated than that. I felt he gave him, Willow and Keo, who Willow also came back from injury his first start of the season. They gave the, the back line and the team in general a whole lot more structure. And as he spoke about it, it allowed Harvey to push forward and, you know, utilise what we saw for him in pre-season. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts on uh, Lewington playing that left centre-back row on a back three? And did you like it? Did you not like it? What thought your
2: thoughts? Oh, I really liked it. Um, he's Mr. Reliable, isn't he? Whether we play him at left-back or left centre-half, he still does a job. Um, but obviously, I was looking at stats um, and the actual heat maps of uh, Louie in that game. And funnily enough... Um, I compared him to Cargill in the Doncaster game and Louis was actually pressing higher than uh, Cargill so that's quite a strange and uh, interesting sight considering Louis is too slow (laughs) (laughs) Um, but um, also something I've noticed is um, he completed 13 long long balls out of 18 I didn't personally see that outlook to the attack but it's there for a reason, and um, I feel like that that can offer us something different because of if we do play Bay, a quick young lad, he's going to want to chase down them balls, and uh, obviously it gives us that something different instead of uh, trying to pass through the channels all the time.
1: Yeah, and you know we, whether people notice or not, we did see um, a foreshadowing of Louis' long ball ability from the previous games and preseason. Um, when I believe he would have operated that role actually that he's in now. And you know, he was successful and it's been successful again. And I know you mentioned regarding the heat map, Ross, but from my perspective, he didn't advance too far afield. And it was also it was almost like Kasumi was a deep line playmaker, Dean Lewington was a deep uh playing centre back in a sense. Um I took some stats from the uh, MK Long's website, and if you don't know, the uh, the club posts like an in numbers perspective of every game, uh, more more so the league games. And uh, Lewington completed the most passes in the league at 98, and he actually won 17 out of 27 loose ball duels. And when you look at the heat map, he kind of, as as uh, so Ross mentioned, he pushed up a bit further than maybe Cargill did and pressed higher. And that was probably to cover Harvey, who was a lot more advanced, you know, trying to be. At more attacking than being that winger. Uh, Joe, how do you think uh, Lewington played? And I'm sure you're very feeling very smug at the moment.
3: Uh, I, I, I thought, I thought that the balance of the whole team really suited Lewington, and I think with without sort of without the, the likes of Keo and Williams, who are too... they they they're not going to be bombing on forward, and I think with the security of knowing that, I think it did allow Lewington to really do his thing and I I think he's an absolute passing machine he's I think he's so crucial in the build up play so many times last season he he wouldn't necessarily be getting the assist but he'll he'll be playing the assist to the assist he'll be playing someone clean through for them to set up a chance or or just playing it to someone in space and even just the easy balls that circulate the possession I feel that his first thought is how do I get it forward rather than let's just keep hold of the ball for the sake of it. And I feel that that is perhaps something we've lacked in recent weeks. And I feel like with him getting a li- having a little bit more licence to go forward, I feel like we've really uh, been able to just move the ball a little bit better. And I think that sort of the trio of um, Fraser, Lewington and Harvey, I feel like it's, it's, it's really quite a dangerous trio because I think they are quite interchangeable. And I think with Harvey and Lewington, they're... They're both very much capable going forward, but it all seems as though, as though they're also more than happy to cover for Fraser if he's going in forward also.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree your thoughts more, uh, Joe. I feel I'm really impressed, actually. And he, it was a nice surprise, um, that performance on Saturday. So we touched briefly on the evening's game uh, from the EFL Trophy. Of course, we won 3-2. And uh, the star from that game um, was Jay Bird, who... I, believe that it's a professional debut for the club as well. So, not a bad debut, eh? Getting a brace of goals to uh, essentially let your team win 3-2. Uh, and we put out a tweet on Twitter asking for your opinions on whether you think uh, birds uh, can challenge for a place in the first team uh, in the near future. Uh, the general consensus was that, uh, you know, he perhaps deserves a place on the bench. And I personally echo those thoughts. You know, at uh, JM Bennington 75 said, yeah, he proved tonight being the game that he played that he had talent and he could become a good player. If he works hard, uh, some were as drastic as saying he should be starting straight away. Um, and at PD MKD spoke about how we need someone who can finish chances. And from that performance, Jay showed that, and he'd be tempted to play him over, uh, Sam non or Joe Mason. And then finally, I'll probably are my favorite reply was from at Connor Jo underscore. He spoke about how, uh, uh, Jay did no, him at lunchtime in year nine and once he, uh, once he did that, he knew he'd go on to good things, basically. <laughs> so, I'll move on to your guys' thoughts, uh, starting off with Ross. Um, how do you think that debut or Jay Bird is going to impact perhaps his first team involvement in the near future?
2: Um, I think it's good for his confidence. He's a young lad. We've got to give him time. But I feel like he's, he's in the same position as Kasumu last year. I feel like we need to develop him through the EFL Trophy. Um, but as Martin's alluded to, he uh, he's, he's put a thought in his head. He hasn't changed his mind on getting a new striker in, so we all know we need a new striker. But as you guys said, Jay Bird off the bench is a good option. He looked good on Tuesday. And... Um, it's the same with assuming in that deep position.
1: Time will tell whether it it works. Yeah, I mean the thing is, it's so hard to find strikers that have that, you know, that instinct to just be in the right place at the right time, and it's such an underrated skill in football. And from you know the first goal that Jay scored last night, he he was at the right place at the right time, no matter how what people like it. And of course, if he combined that with his second goal, which is absolutely cracking finish, you know he he showed he's clearly got ability and it's such a shame that he had to go through that injury towards the start, but now we've got him back and he seems to be fit and firing. Uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on Jay Bird?
3: Um, before I go on to Jay Bird, I just wanted to briefly just mention the match and how, um, yet again, it was two howlers of, and lapses of judgment that caused us to concede goals. Uh, in, in the game, I think we only conceded something like three shots inside their box, in, inside the box, and it just shows again that it's 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 not for a lack of the it's not I don't think it's the system that's letting letting us concede these goals. I mean, the one of them was a, a header straight into straight past the goalkeeper, just a complete lack of communication, and, uh, and and the other one was a player going down a blind alley and and uh, being taken out by uh, by Houghton. So I I just want to mention that and that I feel that them scoring two goals really was not um, representative of, of the game and the performance but for us to score three, yep really positive and with with some people it's just it, just, just having a knack for scoring goals is, is such a, a rare skill to have and he, he, he pretty much didn't do anything in the game but he did two things which were almost invaluable in the fact that he just stuck the ball in the back of the net and wasn't afraid to have a go and I feel that is something we have been missing. Perhaps maybe more as an impact sub, I feel, would he would be best used. Um, but it was also good to see Morris getting on the score sheet. And uh, hopefully that's uh, boosted his confidence a bit more now as well. And uh, with Nombe out, it made me, with Nonbay looking like he's going to be out for a bit, I think uh, Jay Bird is a very viable option off the bench.
1: Yeah, you know, it is nice to see Morris get off the score sheet and, I agree uh, regarding the points regarding conceding the goals. Yeah, it, it's sloppy. I will agree, it's sloppy. But William, you know, Luke Williams said how you know they they did. I think the uh, commentator mentioned how they didn't really work hard for the goals, and you know he kind of disagreed with that straight away. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah, and they deserved the goals they scored. I think they from from what I saw at the game, they maybe didn't deserve to score two, but I think they deserved to get. Apparently, the they did because. The guy really ran half the pitch to get taken down the box and sometimes that's all you gotta do. Um but yeah I'm going back to Jay Bird, sorry, got a bit off topic there. Um yeah, and you know that's that what we need up front ultimately. You know, we've got the hard workers in Morris in Nombe uh, who can you know generate the build up play. And we just need that clinical striker up front. And you know, if Berg continues to develop his EFL trophy games, which are like they're going to be continuing past the group stage, because we I think we need a point to get top spot now. Mm. Um, I believe it was just like Nombe did last season. Yeah, yeah. And admittedly we haven't seen that goal scoring back from Nombe yet this season, but I'm sure it's coming and once he's back, I'm sure he'll be hopefully fit and firing again. Uh but yeah, I would say I'm not I I'm not as developed as some people saying I'll just start away for uh Strikers at the club, but already yeah, like um, Mason and Nombe when they are fit. But yeah, fair on the bench. Why not? Until we get this striker in that we're all kind of eagerly waiting on. I don't see what harm in it at all, personally. So um, there's no Russell Martin presser, of course, as you know. Had a midweek game, so on uh, midweek games, which is going to be a lot of in these next few months. Um, the presser get moved to Friday, so. We have to wait and see what Russell Meyer's comments are. Hopefully, on a striker and how certain players have played over recently. So we'll move on from that and we'll go straight into the game on Saturday. Uh, we're on the road against Portsmouth. Uh, Joe, take us away.
3: Right. So, uh, and the uh, the tough games don't stop coming. I'm afraid. Uh, having already faced three of the top five, uh, we've got another team that is, I think, one of the favourites with the bookies this season, and I, I have no doubts they're going to be right up there come the end of the season. Uh, so, Portsmouth, uh, they're sitting in 11th, but I think you can take the league table with a pinch of salt at this time of the year. They've, uh, they have drew their first games 0-0, uh, nil, 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 and uh, that was against Shrewsbury and Rochdale. So, yeah, that's quite interesting, really, to see that they didn't manage to break down a Shrewsbury or a Rochdale team. Um, and then they faced Wigan, who uh, they, they? Wigan got quite a few good players. They lost that one 2-1. And then um, quite a a big win for them against Burton Albion, uh, 4-2 last weekend. Um, They've been playing a 4-2-3-1 system and uh, they've tended to have either uh, John Marquise or Ellis Harrison up front. Now, these are two really differing strikers and I feel that we would struggle much more against Marquise. Marquise. He's much more of a target man. And if you look at games this season, we really struggled against Tom Hopper and crew against Mikhail Mandron. So I feel when that opponent does have the quick out there or the the easy get out ball, I do feel that we, we have struggled that thus far. They played quite a fluid uh, three behind that in Harness, Jacobs and Curtis. They're all very good players for level. And I, I feel that if if, if our defence is not on on it on its game it's it's really gonna be a bit of a struggle. Um they have got two sitters in midfield. Um, and so Naylor and Morris, and uh, they've both had pretty good seasons so far. I feel um, I believe it's uh, Naylor, he's had a a very strong start to the season. Um, What One thing I would say is that just looking at Portsmouth's games so far, they've averaged over 18 shots a game and they've only scored, I believe it's either five or four goals. Now, that is not a very good return at all, and I, I feel... That almost they might be due a few goals if they carry on that rate, and I think thus far this season we've done really well because we've, on average, we've only conceded six shots a game, and I feel that it could be a bit more of a different game, a bit more end to end, than we've seen in the in the past few games. So yeah, it would be really be interesting to see how they uh, how they approach this game.
1: Yeah, I definitely I 10% agree with what you said and. You know, talking to the guys over at the PO forecast, um, they, they agree with the 4 comments, how that will more than likely be the system they set up as. But the player that I really want to focus on in is Marcus Harness. Um, for me, he is like the hub of this team in terms of his creativity. And from what I've seen of him so far this season, and particularly in the Burton game, um, you know, it kind of almost converts into a 4-4-1-1. Four, 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 one, one. Where Harness will go in behind Harrison or Marquise and act like our second striker. And that seemed to be really effective against Burton. And I, I know Burton have been a pretty poor defence so far this season, but we haven't exactly been great ourselves. Um, although, you know, our mistakes have been, I'd say, self made, but it still applies. I feel that Pompey are probably going to try and overcrowd them in the midfield of the pitch. You know, they're going to be playing. Five fielders versus our three. Ultimately, because I don't, I don't really mm-hmm. count the wing backs and midfielders. Um, so we're going to need to be really effective in terms of our distribution in the middle of the park and making sure we can spread the play out to the wings. Utilise Sorinola and utilise Britain as both Paul or Paul and Harvey are both on international duty this game. So yeah, it's going to be a very tough game, and for a player like a young Sorinola he's going to have to be on his game, as you mentioned, Gerrard, uh, as all of them are, to try and keep track of this really fluid front three and Curtis, probably Marquise and Harness, who like to interchange and can operate on either flank and centrally. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts heading into Pompey and, yeah, generalised ideas? <laughs> um,
2: this is, as Joe mentioned, this is a very inconsistent Pompey side but it's going to Fratton Park and getting a result. That's the problem. How many teams go there and get a result? Not many. But I feel like um, the main threat, and you said about Harness, I do agree with that, but I was looking at Ellis Harrison over the weekend, and um, he created the most chances over the weekend with um, four chances, key chances created, and he um, I was um, looking at some thoughts about him um, after the game. And um, they're saying that he offloads the ball to Curtis and Harness a lot. And um, as you say, um, it's going to be get, get a very physical game with Keo. I'm assuming, who will play. Keogh and um, Louis, if he plays at left centre half, against that Harrison. But it's a whole different game to play against Marquise. He offers that aerial threat, and we know that Don's struggled to um, defend from set pieces. So, um, as you say, everyone will have to be on their game in this one.
1: Yeah, they've got, um, I think if I remember correctly, they'll probably play uh, Watt Mo and Raggett, who are two fairly good centre backs. Uh, I mean, had a pretty shaky start to the season, and I think if there was one player we're going to target in this team, it would be him. And I feel as though Morris really needs to get under his skin this game and try and force mistakes. He want anything to chances generated and goals scored. Um, Joe, did you have any additional thoughts on what's been mentioned, especially regarding Harness in particular?
3: Yeah, I, I feel that with the with that that the well, it's essentially a front four, but I think it's the three behind that really do offer the threat. And I think sometimes last season, although harness is amazing. When you're interchanging it could easily be Jacobs or the or Curtis. I think Jacobs was at Wigan and so he, he's been playing in the Championship and he's a real quality player at this level. Um, one interesting thing for the game is so far we've come up against teams and we've really limited them to really low shot numbers. We've actually only conceded on average about six shots per game and Portsmouth have averaged having 18 shots per game. So I'm, I'm just really going to be I think it'll be a different game than what we've seen so far in that I don't think we will dominate possession as much. And it'll be really interesting to see how we do hold up with a team perhaps having much more of the ball and whether we, we will be more switched on, whether we might not be caught out as much because we're actually concentrating. So I think that's just one dynamic that'll be quite interesting to
1: see. Yeah, that's interesting for you bring up actually regarding possession because I went, I went on to the podcast, the Portsmouth podcast, the PO4 podcast. And I sort of said how the theme throughout our games has been dominating possession and trying to get the ball on our feet. And if, yeah, and if we aren't given that uh, luxury, um, as some may put it, it will be interesting how the players react and it could be quite an interesting game to watch on the weekends. One thing I will mention regarding Curtis is I could see Curtis and Harness, mentioned how they interchange, but I could see Curtis operating on the right-hand side. Especially if we think Louis is gonna play, mm-hmm. which after his performance on Saturday, yeah. you know, he probably is gonna play. Um so with you know, Louis's perhaps lack of mobility, as you want to put it. Um, you know, Curtis is quite a pacey player, and I think after a little while he may want to get off Britain as Britain can match him for speed and has a bit of nastiness too when he wants to. Um so yeah, it'll be an interesting game for sure. And Let's move on to predictions, I suppose. What are your guys' thoughts on how you think the road trip to Pompey is going to go? Or why don't we start off with you, Ross?
2: Um, it's quite a difficult one because of. I think it all depends on what Portsmouth side turn up. If we see a Portsmouth side um, who arguably um, comfortably beat um, Burton 4-2, I think they'll give us real game, but if we see one which struggled to break down Rochdale, um, I feel I feel like we could exploit the mistakes in that um, midfield. But we have we had the issue of um, not putting our chances away against Ipswich, and I feel like that could haunt us again once again this uh, weekend. So I'm going to go with a one-all draw.
1: Yeah, uh, I think the theme of not putting our chances away and then paying for it later on or even before the chances have even happened, there seems to be a generalised theme as well as a possession this season, which is obviously very disappointing, but I can definitely see where you're coming from. I think for me personally, I see two teams that are coming off a bit, uh, quite uplifting results. Yes, we could have got more against Ipswich, but you know, I, that is a good point ultimately and we can look at back on that in the season and think, oh yeah, you know, that, that was a good point and that was a good momentum builder. And I feel like we have to carry on this momentum, regardless of how difficult the uh, trip is to Bombay and this whole month in general. Um, you know, we should be relishing a chance to play these type of teams. And if the theme continues others playing well uh, by the crew anomaly, you know, we're going to give them a good game if we can play the way we want to play. So I going to be nice and positive and say two on Dons and hope that we do put these chances away this time. Uh, Joe, what are your predictions for Saturday?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think what you said about momentum was really interesting because I think w- one thing with the momentum and especially with you, you know Keo Williams coming in, I think don't think we mentioned Williams, but it, what a game here from Saturday! And I feel like just just by getting a positive result after a good performance, okay, it wasn't a win, but I think even just it just almost confirms to the players that okay, this is the right thing, this is what we should be doing. And if, if you look at last season as well, when we played the likes of Rotherham, Coventry, Portsmouth, Oxford, we, we were really good against the big teams last season. It was breaking down a a, a low block uh, and, uh, a, a, you know, when the team brought a bus to us, that was what we struggled with. And so, uh, yeah, I, th- I think we'll, I don't think we'll lose the game and I think we'll win 1-0. Oh. A clean sheet. <laughs> Goodness.
1: <laughs> a way <away laughs> win as well. Going, uh... Well that's that's not Stevenage, of course. Uh yeah. Well no, well, we're not counting that. <laughs> yeah. Well, a, a legal way win, we'll put it that way.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, quickly on Willow, I know we didn't mention any of you right, you're right, Joe. I felt um, you know, you spoke about communication, I think Willow was so important, He gonna be so important in this game as well. Especially if we're gonna if what does happen in, if they get the possession and we need to be organized, him and Keo are gonna be so pivotal in keeping that backline organised and essentially keeping out this really prolific Portsmouth team despite their perhaps lack of clinicalness at the moment that, that will eventually come and hopefully it's not against oh, us yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, fingers crossed
1: yeah exactly fingers crossed yeah well thank you very much for listening to episode 4 of the MK1 podcast um, we'd really love it if you could uh, rate and review the podcast and subscribe over own Apple podcast that would mean the world to us Yeah, the reviews do a lot for us in terms of pushing the podcast out there for people that perhaps haven't heard of us, and yeah, ultimately it gives us feedback on what you like and what you don't like, and we can work on that. So, thank you very much for listening, and come on, you dons!